Welcome to the Sea Press Podcast, a podcast from the Presbytery of Seattle that invites you into conversations about issues and topics that are meaningful to the church and its people. All right. Well, welcome to uh, the Sea Press Podcast, and we are here to uh, talk a little bit about um, the partnership that we have with the Presbytery of the Coast in Columbia. So my name is Scott Lumsden, and I'll be kind of hosting and facilitating this uh, conversation. And with me is Tally Hairston, uh, Eliana Maxim, Maggie Breen, and Paul Kim, uh, who all went on the trip recently. And uh, we just wanted to give a little bit more background and, and kind of have a little more conversation about basically the uh, looking at the eight years that we've had this relationship. Uh, with the Presbytery of the Coast. And so, um, Eliana, maybe you could start us off. Tell us a little bit about the nature of this of this relationship. And I do use that word intentionally because this is not some kind of just mission partnership where we kind of send money occasionally and then get together for fellowship. This is way, way, way deeper. And uh, yeah, give us a little bit of uh, background on the history of this. And Sure. So it, it's interesting because from the very beginning, when we um, set out to um, to explore this relationship, and Tally was there from the very beginning, um, we were very intentional about the language that we were using to describe what we were seeking. Um, what we wanted to do was we did want to steer clear away from some of the previous um, models of international engagement. Um, and the word that we kept coming back to in everything that was describing our relationship was mutuality. And it was a mutuality around learning uh, from each other, a mutuality of relationships, a mutuality of uh, respect and resources. Um, and what we've discovered is that over the years, uh, that has allowed us to free ourselves um, as the Northwestern Church of uh, some of the bondage that we had about our preconceived notions of being the ones who had it all, either financially or knowledge-wise, and allowed us to move into spaces of uh, wondering and curiosity and asking questions. Um, and that has led to some really authentic um, relationships and the ability to build on them into something that is much more sustainable and, um, and actually it's gonna bless our um, mutual churches, our presbyteries and the communities in which we reside, which are so vastly different. Uh, Seattle from the Northwest coast of, um, North coast of Columbia um, is very, very different. And yet uh, we are, be because of our relationship, we're able uh, to bring benefits to both um, presbyteries. And this was a very kind of meaningful trip, given the fact that um, uh, just the timing of it with the pandemic and the fact that we haven't seen one another in a while. I think one of the trips was canceled a year ago, obviously. Um, and so this was um, this was a very meaningful trip. And those relationships have have endured and grown over the years. And I'm wondering, Tally, if you can talk a little bit about kind of your involvement and and how those, what those relationships have meant um, for you as well. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I, I think Eliana really hit it on the, um, the head there with the, with the idea that we, um, through the pandemic, attempted to maintain relationships with our churches and pastors 
and to con to to have that um, shared experience together through the pandemic, and it was important. It, it was important to um, return and connect again in person, face to face. Mm. The incarnation being present with each other, mm. uh, and having that opportunity, knowing that this really has always been connected to the work of our pastors with their pastors. And in many ways, we were the staff were facilitating those relationships, still facilitating those relationships, and and the structure of that um, after being away from each other for you know this time is about was about reconnecting those um, the structures that allow for the our pastors here and there to continue to connect in our congregations to continue to connect to each other, build those relationships and maintain those relationships. So much has changed in us and in mm. them. Mm. We can't assume that things were as mm. they were before. And the phenomenal reality is things have changed there like they have changed here. Mm. Uh, and so we attended to that while we were there. We were able to observe that and discuss that and to, to share and both to lament and celebrate things that have changed realities that have changed. It was interesting to hear from them about those changes and to learn from them what are those those even kind of perspective differences that they have now that they didn't have before um, and how that might be fed back into our relationship uh, here and there so we can continue to connect um, in, in substantive ways as as Elian said, and I, I am. It's my call is not to be the international missions leader. So this is I. I that's not what God called me to. But uh, and um, because of that, um, these kinds of engagements we had um, in our last trip are are helping to make sure that we sustain the kind of um, relationship that um, we all felt called to when we began eight mm -hmm. years ago. And as someone who hasn't been on this trip, um, but but has kind of felt the impact in in the conversations that you all have had, and throughout the year, not just not just when you know the opportunity arises for people to visit one another, but um, it, it's 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 very it's a very different feel uh, as someone even who hasn't been to kind of hear the way this is talked about and, and the authenticity of relationship and the mutuality. Um, it's very impactful, um, you know, even- well, to that's something Maggie this. had a chance to see as this was her first time. And Maggie, you talked a lot about that. I did talk a lot about that because it was, it was really important to, as the newcomer, so I have never been and, and, um, it really was obvious to me as someone who was showing up for the first time that the trust and the the affection that had been built over these eight years um, and and that was a product of the time that had been put in you know before we went um, and I was asking Tally you know what's this going to be like he said well we'll spend some time catching up with our friends and we spent time right and that just seems to be kind of a character of this thing that you know, you would sit together and eat together and and catch up kind of over the the small moments of their lives, you know. Um, 
and that was just really obvious to me. And it was obvious to me then um, when Tally talks about, you know, looking at what had changed, that it was this kind of container of trust and 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 affection for each other that could hold those conversations, right? Like, well, who are we now after two years of a pandemic? Um, we trust each other enough to be able to have those conversations, right? And what have we been missing? What do we need? Um, so it was really obvious as a newcomer that so much time and energy and love had been put into building this relationship. And that really was exciting for me because it, it aligns so much with what we're trying to get after as, as, a, as part of this thriving initiative, you know, trying to, to get after this idea that it's by spending time with our communities that we, that we build trust and can start to learn to each other, about each other and how to be in community into the future, you know? Um, so it was a very moving experience for me, everything that I had kind of thought it would be and, and more, yeah. Paul, um, you've been on the trip before. What was impactful this time around for you? What did you uh, notice? Uh, yeah, this is this is now my fourth time uh, being there. I missed the last one that happened right before we went into lockdown. Um, so uh, like we've been talking about, it's been really important to uh, see each other again in real life, uh, not over the screen, and to um, nurture those relationships. But some of the things that I see saw were were the definite changes um, in 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 each other's lives and each other's communities. Um, there are things happening in the Presbytery of the Coast that are just really exciting, um, that evidence some change and some development in their own work. And as as Seattle Presbyteries, we've engaged conversations around thriving congregations. It's, it was exciting to share how we've changed and how what we're doing in our own context and to have the, uh, as Maggie said, the basin or the container of the relationship hold those conversations was really, uh, was really impactful uh, to watch happen. Along with the personal sharing and the relationships, there was also that there were also the things that were going on in each other's presbyteries, and uh, there's a real mutuality here that we're kind of uh, we have the opportunity to update some folks on. So, one was that they requested they're very curious about the Thriving Congregations Initiative, and so you all had a chance to share that. And then the other side of this is that they extended an invitation to to the presbytery to be a part of a uh, very uh, groundbreaking um, study. Um, let me let me see if I can kind of just go a couple steps back and talk about a conversation we had with our Columbia Task Force. And the, our Columbia Task Force was in a conversation about what could we invite our friends to? Similarly, like when you invite your neighbor over for, for tea, right? <laughs> or, you know, when you invite friends over to have um, time together, what could we invite our friends to? Like, what are we doing that we can invite our friends to? And, and we were like, why not thriving congregations? It's something that we're invested in as a community here in the Seattle Presbytery. Um, you know, we're up to uh, 18 congreg participatory congregations. What, what would it mean to invite them to be a part of that? And the task force said, yes, let's do that, right? And like similarly, uh, our friends in Colombia had something they were doing that was really exciting for them around a research project on um, developing a theology of reconciliation from those communities that had signed the peace accord. 
And we'll, we can go into more detail about that. And Eliana, you have um, some of that history that you could share about that. But it was really two friends who were excited about what they're doing. And we shared it with each other, invited each other over and said, do you want to participate? Uh, so while we were there, we presented on Thriving Congregations. And, and since our trip, we've developed this idea, plan of how we could participate in a research project on developing really what's called an interdisciplinary approach to a theology of reconciliation. I think the invitation for us to participate in this research opportunity is one that speaks into um, really a universal uh, brokenness that we experience as human beings is the, the violence and the disrupture of uh, hum human uh, dignity um, in all sorts of places. And um, what the uh, un Reformed University, uh, which is part of the Presbyterian Church of Columbia and the Presbytery of the North Coast is inviting us to do is they want to uh, visit three different communities um, that are in three different states along the coast in Colombia that had land um, set aside and given to them to create communities of nonviolence and peace. Uh, the interesting thing is that these communities are made up of former combatants. These are former guerrillas, paramilitaries, um, who uh, for many, many years, um, Colombia has been involved in a civil war for over 50 years. These folks were in armed combat trying to affect change, social change. They have made a commitment to create these communities of peace and reconciliation where they are determined um, to bring about social change in a peaceful manner. Uh, they've laid down their arms and they've taken up plows and brick making and education and all sorts of different endeavors. Now, there's it, it could sound very idyllic and um, almost like Nirvana. There's a lot of pitfalls along the way, um, so a lot of challenges. And what this research wants to do is uh, five years after the signing of the peace accords, let's go back and visit those communities. How have they uh, maintained a sustainable community during those five years? What do they need to continue to be successful? Um, will they be successful? And what can we learn from them? And as remote as that may sound to us um, here living in uh, the Pacific Northwest, uh, we have our own communities of violence um, and we don't need to go any further than just the last two weeks uh, of what we experienced through gun violence in this country. Uh, what does it take for us to uh, lay down arms and take up uh, something else in order to achieve the social change we're all desperate for? Whether it's um, a depressed, bullied 18-year-old, or if it's a disgruntled worker, or, um, or if it's an indoctrinated white supremacist, um, what is it that we need to um, study and accomplish as a community in order to bring about that kind of nonviolent movement? And more importantly, what can we as a church do in this process? What's our role? Uh, where are we? I think um, most of us would agree that for the most part, the church has been pretty silent um, when it comes to this kind of transformative work. 
um, around violence. Um, we like to, you know, go and uh, attend protests and all that, but but there's something more, oh gosh, uh, incarnate that we need to be doing as a church. And I think this research is going to give us an opportunity. We're going to learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're going to learn something <laughs> learn. from our sibling, hopefully. Yeah. Together. Through listening, yeah. through listening deeply, right? That's the mm -hmm. thing that runs through all of this. How does the church, how do we show up to listen deeply to how people make sense of their experience, right? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was exciting. I got so excited. Sorry, you yeah. can't see me on podcast, but I'm like, yes, preach, Eliana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that, um, I, well, not me, we're hoping, because this has been such a collective effort, um, we're hoping that this, these are seeds that are being planted both here in our Seattle Presbytery as well as in the Northwest Coast Presbytery in Columbia that will all lead us to be more authentically the church that we've been called to be in our communities, uh, regardless of what our building situation might be or whether or not we have the, the right prophetic pastor leading us, but how do we make our faith communities all of a sudden um, take action and, and say, yes, I want to learn, I want to experience, I want to listen. And uh, we're hoping that at the upcoming Presbytery meeting that we will have an opportunity to, um, to engage in that kind of conversation and see what is it, what do we need to do in order to move in that direction? That's an amen. I mean, I, that is. Can I just, I just, because, you know, Paul and, and Maggie, when, when we do this work, when we were on the trip, when we were there, um, there, there was this sense that we were, we were not just returning after the pandemic, but that this is a pivotal, pivotal moment for the church uh, global. Well, and I, I, I think for me too, it just underscores the fact that there, um, as hard as this pandemic has been, there have been ample opportunities for us to slow down and learn and reorient ourselves. And that is actually um, harder work than we uh, sometimes are willing to admit. And it is very hard for, it, it might be individually a person can do it, but we're, we're talking about collectively how a community slows down and and takes notice and finds finds a way finds a mode of listening more deeply to um both the the joys and the pain and the uh that community brings and um it has to inform our life in church or christian community and if it doesn't, we're not really paying attention. So um, <clears throat> I, I'm super excited about the opportunities and thank you all for um, kind of sharing about those. Any closing thoughts from anyone? Well, I, I was gonna say that we spent years in mutual relationship developing the friendship. And I think Tally talking about this pivotal moment is now where we're sharing in mutual work uh, substantive work together uh, in the thriving congregations, but also in the research projects. So it's, it's, we're maturing in our relationship in this way. And I think that's really exciting 
today we were talking to Herman, uh, and he used this phrase, uh, and I wrote it down because it was impactful, to dignify the relationship and working towards understanding the value of the Holy Spirit in each other. And I think that's what we're doing. And I, I'm really excited about that trajectory for our relationship together. Mm-hmm. Paul, I wrote down exactly the same phrase, you know? Yes, and Eliana's saying that she did too. And I've noticed that it's that's coming up also in our thriving work in the presbytery as we get together and realize that we're asking the same questions, that we're not alone, that there's a power there, that the spirit's showing up. And that also happened with the, with the Colombian folks, right? That we might be in different parts of, of this continent, but, but we're asking similar questions about the role of the church in community. Well, and I, I pray for that kind of uh, listening uh, to the spirits uh, uh, leading at our Presbytery meeting. Um, so thank you all for this conversation and um thank you scott thank you thanks everybody thank you everybody thank you thanks that's good